continue to, to uh, review. I, I know that sometimes you maybe get worn out on that, but it is good to review. It helps you to remember what's going on in this, in this psalm. And David writes this, and he gives us a couple of prohibition uh, commands to stop doing something. And he says, to fret not thyself because of evildoers. And, and, and so here a command, and to, to stop burning with anger, to, to stop hotly contending, and, and to lie awake rehearsing and uh, choosing our responses. And so often all this does is allow us to become very acidic in our attitude, and, and uh, we, we need to be careful with that, and, and I, I especially need to be careful with that, and, and there, there's been just such a hot rage that uh, uh, of the, the things that are going on and things I don't understand, and, but God does, and, and uh, we need to trust Him in all of this and, and uh, uh, just understand that we, we don't need to be fretting because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. And uh, it is hard at times when you think that you're struggling to uh, make it and you're eating hamburger helper while you uh, see those that are workers of iniquity feasting on steak and shrimp and whatever else. And, and uh, we see more and more of that kind of an idea and how we need to just stop. Don't don't even consider them. Don't don't look at them. Don't Don't give any thought to them. They're workers of iniquity and they're 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 unjust they're wrong they're unrighteous and and we just need to understand that the day is going to come when uh let us not worry about the flesh and let us not worry about those that live only for the flesh because one day they'll be cut to nothing and then he went on and he started giving us some commands that are are, are more of the positive commands of those things that we ought to be doing and uh, that's the one thing about God that he does. There are many times where he says, don't do that. And so you don't do that. But there are also other times where he will say, don't do that, but rather do this. And he gives us a command of, of more of a positive action. And that's what he starts giving us now in the next few verses here. And, and in verse 3, he started off with trust in the Lord. And we looked at this, and, and we're going to look at it again, and, and uh, the idea means to uh, be extended face down upon the ground and a total trust in, in God and, and giving everything to God. Trust Him for your salvation. We need to understand we're a sinner, and we can't do this on our own, and, and we can't, uh, there, there is no way that we can impress God with who we are, and there's no way that we can enter into heaven, a perfect heaven in front of a perfectly holy and righteous God based on our works of iniquity and we are nothing but filthy rags it tells us and and so we need to come to him and understanding that we're a sinner and, and we're in need of of the savior that that has died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose again that third day and and through that that very work that Jesus Christ did he gives us salvation to all those that call upon him all those that with their heart trust in Him. And so we trust in the Lord. We trust Him for our salvation. We trust Him for our provision. We trust Him for our protection. I mean, our, our government has shown us how inadequate they are and how incompetent they are in trying to keep us safe. And so we see that uh, many are catching this virus. I, I think of the 
3,287, I think, people that will die today in car accidents. Government's not doing much to keep us safe on that either, are they? I think of the many that will die today of drug overdoses, even though most of those drugs are illegal. Government's not doing much to keep us safe, are they? But we need to trust in God. We need to look to Him and know that He's the one that is our protector. And, and we need to trust Him and we need to look to Him and in all areas of our lives. And He'll provide for us even during this time. Uh, and, and there's a lot of hardships. And, and so we need to trust Him in this. And then He goes on. And not only should we trust Him, but in, in a world that's, that's chaotic today and in a world today that is very selfish and in a world today where... People are hoarding everything out there, trying to, uh, to, to hoard these things for their own selves and, and are very selfish in what they're doing. God turns around and tells us, do good. Do the things that are good, that represent God. Do those things that are good and acceptable and right in the eyes of God. To, to walk a different path than the rest of the world. To, to walk and to do those things that, that He's shown us to do. And, and oh, how He wants us to trust Him and and do good, and, and then to dwell in the land. And, and we looked at that to settle down, to abide, to, to, to understand that, that we're, we're the branch and that He's the vine and that, that we uh, abide with Him. We remain with Him. We, we look to Him. We don't get off focus and go this way or that way, but rather we, we are truly looking to Him and dwelling with Him and, and enjoying the time that we have to focus on Him, and, and, and truly, those are the things that, as we say that we need to get back to normal, there are some things that has changed in your life that that needs to become the new normal. You need to spend that time with God. You need to spend that time with your family. You need to find out that all those things that you were considering important aren't important at all, and, and even if things get back to normal, that that our new normal needs to be different than what it was before this. God wants us to have more of a devotion to Him and, and, and dwelling in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. And, and here, letting Him shepherd us, letting Him feed us in the Word of God, let Him feed us in His presence and the conviction and the restoration of the Holy Spirit of God that, that He wants in our lives and how how we need to understand that He's the faithful shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the one that, that will feed us and lead us beside the still waters. He's the one that protects us even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't fear any evil because He's with us. His rod and His staff, they comfort us. And so we look to Him and we, then we delight ourselves. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight in what He's doing in your life. Delight in reading the Word of God and, and listening to what He tells us. Delight in being a child of God if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You've been adopted into a family where your Father never leaves you nor forsakes you. You have a, a Father that will always take His wings and cover you up and, and guard you and protect you and allow only those things in your life that He wants to allow in there to to uh, strengthen your faith and help you in your walk and how we need to delight in that presence of our God and 
in the presence of our Savior, in the presence of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. And, and as we are delighting in Him and, and we're delighting in who He is and, and we're delighting in, in our position as a part of that family of God, then He gives thee the desires of thine heart. He places those desires in our heart and, and those desires are His desires and, 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 and we find that it, it brings a great delight in our lives and, and brings us a joy and a peace that there is no other way that you're ever going to get that than just delighting in Him and delighting in His presence in your life. And He gives thee the desires of thine heart. But then we go on and we get into the new ones that we haven't looked at yet and Verse 5, he gives us another command, commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Another command. I'm going to have an illustration here in a moment, but as I was reading this, I was thinking, okay, in my mind, I'm thinking the word commit then, you, you know, it, it would be making a promise, it, it would be uh, uh, making a vow with God and okay God I'm committing my making a vow that I'm going to live my way in, in, in your, your path and, and my path and, and my path is, is not just my path and not just my life but it's my journey, it's my distance, it's my manner of life, it's my doings, it's my undertakings, it's, it's actually everything that I am and he tells me here that I need to commit this way unto the Lord. Everything that I am, I need to commit unto Him. Now, I have an illustration. I don't know if it's the best one or not, but, but I want to use this. And, and, and I do know that uh, Tom has already asked me about my backpack. We're not supposed to have backpacks in the church, you know, but since it's just me, myself, and I, we're okay, all right? So, <clears throat> so here I have this big old heavy backpack, and this is my way. <clears throat> this is everything about me. Everything about me. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's who I am. It's being a pastor. It, it's, it's being a believer. It, it's being a, a, a husband. It's being a father. It, it's uh, 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 being just a, a citizen in, in Morgan County. But, but it's even more than that. This is also, this is my anger. This is my distress. This is my anxiety. This is my depression. This is what whatever it is that, that makes me who I am and, and my personality and, and everything about me is, is all wrapped up in this and, and, and it's every aspect of, of who I am. And so, and then it gives us this command to commit thy way unto the Lord. That word commit has the idea to roll. To roll something or roll it off or get rid of it that way. And so, you see, what, what I like to do is, I'm not going to put this on because my coat and everything, but I want to strap this on and, and I'm going to walk around and this is mine. This is my way. This is everything that I am. And, and, and I'm proud of this because this is me. And, and, and I need to let everybody know this is my identity. Everything that I am is right here in this bag. And, and, and I want you to know that, that it's heavy. It's actually really heavy. And, and the more you carry it around, the heavier it gets. And, 
and you try to lay down with it and you can't sleep because of the burden that's on your back and you, you try to sit down in a chair and, and you can't sit because it's uncomfortable and, and you walk and you sag and you're, and you're tired and it's just such a burden because here you are, this is my way and, and I'm going to walk my way and, and this is all the things that I want in my life and, and here he's given us a command. He's saying, hey, take everything that you are and roll it off onto me. And so come over here, you would. And so I know this is not a great illustration of this young man being the Lord, all right? But just bear with me, okay? You know what God is telling us? He's commanding us. He's saying, I want to take everything that you have. God, this is me. I mean, this is everything that I am. Yeah, and give it to me. And so he takes it. He puts it on like this. And he walks off with it. And he takes it and he starts heading east with it. Throws it into the deepest parts of the sea. And then he says, I'll give you a new identity. You see, you're so worried about the evildoers and you're so envious of those workers of iniquity, and 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 I do, I I, I do, you know, you know me. I, I I'm so I'm so tired of our politicians. Every politician needs to be going without pay during this time. Every one of them. Every bureaucrat who, who's drawn a salary from this tax-paying government needs to be going without any kind of money and without any kind of pay right now. None of them understand what it means to actually work a job where you have to go and you have to work and if you go home, you don't get paid and you don't understand about business sense at all. Well, this would help you understand, send Pelosi home. Matter of fact, leave her there. Maybe drop her off a little further west than San Francisco. Out in the middle of the ocean, on an island, by herself with some seagulls. You see, there we go. Quit fretting, right? <clears throat> you need to quit doing those things. You need to quit concerning yourself with them. They'll be soon cut down. And, and you need to trust me. And you need to do good. You need to dwell in the land. You need to be fed. You need to delight yourself in, in my way. And then here, you need to take whatever it is that makes you who you are or who you think you want everybody to think that you are. And and you need to get rid of all of that. And, 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 and really, it's kind of like what, you, uh, you, you know, what you're going to see now when people come out and they haven't been to the hairdresser and they, they haven't had their nails done and they haven't had all of their fancy makeup or, or whatever. And you walk out and you walk out in your pajamas and, yep, here I am. And that's exactly how transparent we need to be with God. And we need to commit thy way unto him. And, and we need to roll it. And, and it has that idea that it is heavy and that it is hard. And that, and that hey, we're wanting to hang on to these things. And, and this is who I am. And, and, and our flesh gets in the way. And our own logic gets in the way at times. And, and here he's showing us that you need to commit thy way unto the Lord. Roll it on to him. Give that burden to him and you be what it is that I want you to be. Has nothing to do with the evildoers and don't let them concern you. Don't let them make you who you are. You need to trust in me. You need to do these things and I will make you who it is that you need to be. Commit thy way 
unto the Lord. And then he reemphasizes again, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Twice. Twice now in five verses, he gives us a command to trust in him. Throw oneself down on your face in front of Jehovah, the Jesus of the Old Testament. Throw yourself down in front of him and trust him. Give him everything and he shall bring it to pass. He will act. He will make it happen. He will do with you what it is that he wants you to do. And let me tell you, to do this and to have this kind of trust it becomes a deep-seated conviction. It makes you who you are. It brings you to a point where it doesn't really matter what... Look, there, there's going to come a day when not only are they going to tell us that we cannot come together and worship together, but there's going to come a day where, where the line is drawn and they're going to step across and say the church and the pastor cannot say these certain things. And we need to understand and we need to live our lives as believers today that I am under a thorough and divine and deep-seated conviction that God has given me and, and the world will never understand a conviction is something that people are willing to die for. But we need to commit our way and we need to trust Him. Oh, hey, things can get bad. Things aren't looking very good at times and, and we, we see all of the stuff going on around us and, and people can be discouraged, but hey, there's no reason for us to be discouraged. Job went through something a whole lot worse than any of us have ever gone through and this is what he says in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. We use that a lot and we usually stop right there and don't say the rest of it. But I will maintain mine own ways before him because he was convicted of what he was doing he was convinced in his mind and it was a conviction that he was going to live that and and continue to serve God and and live for him and do exactly what God wanted him to do and that is exactly what he did he goes on and and, and it tells us in in uh, Psalm 18 and and here the the psalmist writes to us in verses 30 through 32, and, and it says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all those that trust in Him. You see what He's... The word of God is tried and tested. Has come through the test. Is trustworthy. Is something that we can rely upon. It's something that we know is the truth. I... I tell you, you guys understand this too. We can, you, you can read everything that's out there and, and you hear one story about the virus here, you hear another story on the virus here, you hear this over here, you hear this over here, you see this here, you see that over there, and, and you have no idea who to believe. I, I mean, there, there's stuff on every direction and you can find anything to support anything that, that you want to believe on all of this and, and we don't know exactly what it is, but I can tell you that God's word is true. And so take the time and, and trash the, the news and walk away from all of the news and, and take some time and say, God, I want the truth today. And read his word. 
His word is truth and, and tried, and he's a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord, and, or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Oh, he shows us the way that we ought to walk, and he, and he guides us and helps us in all of that. And, but we have to have that deep-seated conviction that, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what comes. This word is what I rely upon. This is what I'm going to apply to my life. And this is how I'm going to live. And it doesn't matter what anybody else tells me. Remember the story. And I, I know most of you probably do. But remember all the way over there in Daniel chapter 3. And Daniel was living in a very ungodly time of the, the world. And he was living under a very ungodly king at this time. And one that was very proud and, and one that was very vicious and, and uh, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had said that, uh, hey, we need to build a big old uh, 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 image of gold of me and, and at uh, certain times we're going to sound these uh, uh, music instruments and everybody is going to uh, get on their knees and they're going to bow and praise me for who I am. But there were three young men that said they would not do that, not out of pride. It, it wasn't out of pride. You know, I, I find it interesting, I, and hey, I'm glad for it. I'm happy for it. You know, people have called me that, that are upset because we're, we're told that we can't even have people sitting in our parking lot, sitting in their cars, and watch a live stream with their windows up and tell us that we cannot come and meet together and and. and and, but there are people that are upset because of this that, as far as I know, don't even go to church. And they're all mad because they can't say that, well, I'm just not going to go to church today. They're being told that you can't go to church today. I find that interesting that that's somewhat prideful, I think. But there are those that are here every time the doors are open unless they're sick. You know, I made a promise years ago. I got convicted when we had a winter storm, and I I closed the church, and we didn't have a uh, Sunday morning service. And I was I was convicted of that, and I decided from that time on, Lord, on that Sunday morning service especially, the doors are going to be open. People can choose whether they want to come or not. I mean, people meet in other countries, they'll walk five or ten miles one way knowing that even when they get there that they risk their lives for even congregating. But they go because it's a deep-seated conviction. There are people here that come every time the doors are open, not because it's out of a prideful or arrogant manner. It's because that is who they are and they want to worship God. They want to come together and give Him honor and glory and they want to praise him with other believers and they want to pray with other believers and they want to fellowship with other believers and and those that want to always telling us that well the church is the people and it is absolutely the people however you you understand the word church and it says it is a called out assembly assembly and so those that don't believe that, then I kind of question 
what it is Jesus is talking about. Maybe you ought to read a little bit more about the Scripture because there are those that are convicted that we need to meet. I do. I think this is atrocious what's going on. I think it's sad. Here are these men, and I don't want to stand out of pride. These men didn't stand out of pride. Then It says, then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And he was really ticked off. And he chewed on them for a while. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Oh, we've given this some thought. And we want you to know that great thought has been given to this. But if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve the God, thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That's a deep-seated conviction. That's the kind of trust that he is telling us that we need to have. Over in Acts chapter 5, and I, I didn't give our screen lady this one, I don't think, so apologize for this. You'll have to find your Bible and, and go to this one on your own. But in Acts chapter 5, and it tells us that here in Acts chapter 5, that, that Peter and some of the men were, were uh, coming in and, and preaching the word. And, and I mean, this is right after the time where in the first few verses here that Ananias and Sapphira had come in and, and they had lied to God and they, and they lied to the church family and said that they had given such and such. They hadn't and they ended up both dying and being drug out of the church and, and uh, tells us that there were a whole lot of people that were, were fearful because of this and and then it tells us that, that the, the, the apostles went on and continued to preach the word of God and, and they were there in Jerusalem and, and it was upsetting the religious of the day and, and here you are, you're upsetting us because the religious of that day also controlled pretty much the government of that day also and so they kind of had their free reign and all of that and they had great power during that time and and here were these men coming in and saying they needed to trust Jesus as their Savior and, and walk away from the traditional religions that were there and, and actually have a relationship with the living Savior. And, and there were people that were being saved. And, and it says in verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. And I want you to know when they laid their hands on them and threw them into jail, it wasn't easy. And, and they wasn't concerned about your rights. And they, they didn't just handcuff you and then take care of you and coddle you all the way in. But I'm sure they were beaten along the way and they were thrashed along the way and, and they were thrown into jail. That'd be the end of a lot of people. That'd be the end of a lot of those that have just a hypocritical relationship with Christ but it wasn't with them but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said I could imagine we're free we're out of here we can be gone 
Praise the Lord, He's given us deliverance from this and, and we can go and, and we can sneak out tonight and, and we'll be gone and nobody will even know that we were here and, and, and He saved our lives. And, and, but then He goes on and, and, and He opened the door and brought them forth, but then He didn't say, go forth and hide. He said, go. Stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life and they did they did they stood the very next day they had just been let out of prison at night they go to check on them and they're gone they're like where are these people these crazy nuts are standing out here on the very steps of the temple and they're preaching and teaching the word of God now the people are concerned the leaders are because the people are starting to turn on them and then it tells us they brought them forth in front of their their uh, leadership then Peter and the other apostles answered and said we ought to obey God rather than men the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. We need to trust him. You know, I think the day is coming. I don't think it's here yet, but I think it's being ushered in. I think there's going to come a day when we're going to have to choose what side we're on. I think there's going to come a day where God is going to put us in a position, you either trust me and obey me, or I'll take away the blessings off your life. Or he may reveal to you that you never had faith in the first place. And if that's the case, I pray that you trust Christ as your Savior and understand what real, genuine, sincere conviction is all about. But then he tells us in verse 6, and we'll be done. See, you guys might like this. The service goes so fast that we're probably going to be done before noon. And so you guys can beat all the Methodists to the restaurant. Oh, that's right. We can't go, can we? <clears throat> Poor Methodists probably don't know how to cook. I feel bad for them. We Baptists definitely all know how to cook, and we're missing out on all of our our fellowships right now and and uh looking for hey when the day comes and they say we're coming back the meal is on and uh we're, we're going to have a meal and and we're going to pray that 600 people show up and we'll show you how a baptist can cook that day but he goes on and and so now he he gives his purpose for all these commands, and then he'll go into some more commands after this, and we'll get to those next week, Lord willing. But right now, we see that takes this little parlay, you might say, and, and here he says, And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. So he gives us all these commands, stop doing the first two, and then trust, do good, dwell, be fed, delight thyself, commit thy way, 
trust also in him, all of these things. And he says, while you do that, and as you're walking with me, and as you're doing these things, that he, God the Father, will, will do these, and he will bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. And, and we know and understand that it's not our own righteousness, but it's God's righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that's being revealed through, through our walk and through our behavior. And and the judgment and the and the justice that will come on on those that have not believed and those that have rejected the truth and those that have been violent against it and and those that make a mockery of it and and those that see no interest in this and those that have believed in science rather than the true God that has created everything and all of those that have been the enemy of the cross that that there will be a judgment and it will be revealed as the noonday Micah 7 and verses 8 and 9, he wrote, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. See what he's telling us? Yeah, in our righteousness, we understand that it's Christ's righteousness and the only way we have that is by, as believers, we need to continue, continuously confess sin in our life and get it out of our lives and, and, and walk in his righteousness. It's never our own righteousness, but here he says that I have understanding that I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. But he doesn't stop there until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Romans 8, verses 18 and 19, Paul wrote to the Romans, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But then get this part. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. You understand what he just said? He said that all of creation is waiting and watching for the manifestation of God's glory, God's righteousness, God's judgment on the body of believers. That's amazing to me. We have a world that wants to worship the, cre the creature rather than the creator. We have those that have tried to feed us a lie of evolution for years. There are those that want to say that because we do not believe in climate change that, that we're leading the world down a path of destruction. But we need to understand that all of creation in itself, minus those that have seared their conscience, but all of creation is waiting for the glorification, the manifestation of the sons of God. Thy judgment, thy judgment as the noonday. Christ will vindicate the justice of of our cause. 
How do we know that? Well, I end with this. Jesus set the example. When you think about what Jesus did, he came here on earth, took upon himself the form of a man. And it was here that he walked. God himself enveloped in a body of flesh. God himself who understood what it meant to be hungry. He understood what it meant to to, to uh, see the men up close when they were fearing. He, he understood the, the, the sadness of, of the loss of a loved one whenever they died. He, he understood, even though there was no way that he could because of his impeccability, but he understood the, the temptation of sin and, and many times dealt with that. And, and for that 40 days and 40 nights after he had prayed and fasted, that Satan came and attacked him, and, and he understands that, that weight of sin that is upon the creation and that's upon every one of us. And, and he understands all of those things. And, and he had such a following as he, as he was walking and, and he'd heal those that were sick and help the lame to walk again and the blind to see and, and to cast out the demons from those that were possessed by the, 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 all of these things that were all these demons that were holding them down and, and helping those that were addicted and helping those that were afraid and helping those that were that, that were depressed or whatever else that we're dealing with in our lives today. And, 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 he, and, he, and he lived such a wonderful life while he was here and stirring up the religious. But here we see that he was helping those that were in need and those that humbled themselves and came to him and, and looked to him and he, and he forgave them and he healed them and, and made them whole again. And you're thinking, Lord, this is good. And, and, and they're all watching him and, and seeing this. And, and, and he tells them that he's the head of the church. And, and you need to follow me and understand these things and, and you're thinking oh this is good and all these disciples are watching him and thinking how powerful he is and then all of a sudden that day comes and he's hung upon a cruel cross and those spikes are driven into his hands he's bloody and beaten and defeated. And all his friends are looking at him. And all of his friends are wondering what are they going to do with their own lives now? Lord, you're, you're dying on the cross and you're going to be gone and, and here we are. We're, we're, we're still going to be here and, and, and what are we going to do? We, we don't have you any longer and and, and, and then they, they, they watch him cry out to God, and my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And, and now they're thinking, hey, even, even God himself has, has left his son behind and, and has turned his back on him, and, and all of this defeat and, and his righteous cause of all these wonderful things that he's done and showed us who he is, and, oh, and, and now all of a sudden, all of his righteous cause is lost. And they watch him die. And they're defeated. And they're terrified. And they're grieving. A couple of men take him down and put him in a tomb. Seal up the tomb. The disciples all go to a room and hiding out. Trying to figure out what in the world they're going to do. Asking the Lord, Lord, where is your righteousness? 
Where is the judgment in this? Where is the justice given in all of this that has taken place? And then we get to the end. We get to the end of the story, which is just the beginning. And it says that first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher, and stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. They went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and saw and believed, for as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again, under their own home. Oh, it still hadn't sunk in, had it? God, where is your righteousness? Where is the justice in this? When are you going to stand up and, and stop allowing these things to happen? But God doesn't tell us to question that. He just says, trust Him. Do good. Abide with Him. Be fed. Delight in Him. Commit thy way. Trust Him. You guys just need to do that. Why, God? Why? Because I want righteousness and judgment done. Well, I'll show you. It'll come. How do I know that? But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. When she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him thence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I, and I will take him away. One of the most powerful words you'll ever hear in the scripture, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, Master. How do I know that God will judge? How do I know that his righteousness will be revealed? Because it was on that day. On that day he stood and he rose from the dead on his own volition. 
He did it and showed us that He was capable of rising even above death. He showed us that His sacrifice made on that cross was sufficient for all of us to become a son of God whenever we place our faith and trust in Him. He has shown us that He is coming back. He has shown us that when He does come back, that He came as the Lamb the first time, He'll come as the Lion of Judah the second time. There is coming a time when we know because of this that every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He shows us that the enemy will be slain. It shows us that Satan will be bound and cast into the lake of fire. It shows us that all believers will go to a new Jerusalem and and into that new city and and there they will dwell and there will be no more weeping and there will be no more sadness and, and there will only be the glory of God lining it up and we will dwell with Him forever and ever and ever. And so why worry about the wickedness of this world? Why let it affect us in a negative way? But let us look to Him. Let's commit our way to Him. God, your way is the only way. Whatever you show me in the Scripture, I'm going to take it. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to let it become a part of my life and become a conviction that I'll die for that. I'll die for you, God. Because death, death is nothing but a promotion. Death is nothing but his righteousness and his justice being revealed. So where are you at today? Where are you at in your life today? Are you afraid to die? Honestly. I mean, this is just between you and God. But are you afraid to die? If you are, you need to ask why. And ask God. God, should I be afraid to die? I mean, yeah, I, I, I have a wonderful family. I want to be around. I want to maybe one of these days, Lord willing, hopefully, you know, I'm praying seriously about it, that one of them will get married. Maybe one day we'll even have grandbabies. I want to see that. And that is the order, you get married, then we have grandbabies. But should we allow fear of dying to control us? Maybe you're afraid to die because you don't know where you'd go if you were to die today. Because it's just getting started. When you die, there's an eternity facing you. And there's only two choices. You can't ride the fence on this and think that you can take care of it later. It's today you need to make a choice. Do I fear death and live that way? Or do I trust Him to be my Savior? Come into my heart and, and, and cleanse me of all that sin and save me today and give me eternal life. I pray that you do that. You know, there still may be some anxiety as a believer, that fear. God tells us as believers that God has not given us a spirit of fear. It tells us that the unsaved will flee when no one chases them. 
But he tells us as believers, he has not given us a spirit of fear. And so what's causing that? Well, I would say that there's probably some kind of carnality in your life that you're hanging on to that you haven't committed that part of your life to God. Roll it on to Him. Roll it on to Him. And trust Him. Let His righteousness and His judgment be revealed in your life. Let us walk with Him. Let us use this time to strengthen our faith, to quit focusing on all the bad that's going around and start looking at what is going on that's good. And remember it. And allow God to use that to change your life for the rest of your days. Let's live for Him. Let's get the convictions that come from the Scripture and let's live for Him. Let's be committed to Him, His glory, our Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray you do a work in the hearts of each one. Lord, someone that's sitting there in their chair today, next to the coffee table or on the sofa or maybe sick and lying in bed, but they know in their heart that they need to trust you, I pray that they humbly come to you now and ask you to forgive them and save them. By faith, I pray that they trust you. Lord, I pray that you will work in the hearts of every believer, stir in their hearts, draw us closer to you during this time. And Father, you will be honored and glorified in all that we do. Help us not to be hypocritical, but help us to live according to our convictions based on what you tell us. Guide us, Father. Direct us in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. No, we do want to sing one more song. 611 is Take My Life and Let It Be. We're going to sing the first and the last of this, so it gives you a time to do some dealing with God there where you are, but uh, 611, Take My Life and Let It Be. Take my life and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the morning that you gave us. Thank you for the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that, that our heart's desire and our choice would be to commit everything to you. And Lord, just to take our hands off and let go 
and let you have your will and your way. Lord, I pray that you would just bless our afternoon. I pray you'd bring us back again tonight. Lord, thank you for technology, and Lord, thank you for the opportunity to still get together and to listen to your word being preached and to sing some songs. Lord, I just pray you'd bring us back again tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.